Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. It's said that the shuffling of cards is the earth, and the pattering of the cards is the rain, and the beating of the cards is the wind, and the pointing of the cards is the fire. Welcome to Tarot Spreads, the 226th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of novelist and theologian Charles Williams. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwalt's Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother, and I can't believe we're finally at the end of the end our of the tarot, tarot series. series. <laughs> Housekeeping, do we have any? I don't think so. Okay. Then we are housekept and... Housewept. Hooray. Talking about tarot spreads. Yes, we are. Terminology, I guess. Um, a tarot spread is the way you lay out the cards during a tarot reading. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, the placement of the cards, each particular placement, has a specific meaning through which that card is to be interpreted. Now that we've covered all the general interpretations, all the keywords, right, mm-hmm. for each card... Now we're talking about how to interpret those through those keywords mm-hmm. into a context. Mm-hmm. And that can be more challenging than it sounds like. I see a lot of, especially beginners with tarot, who are still basically just reading the keywords yes. and saying like, the keywords are in this place and I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. They know all the keywords, but they don't know how to interpret the keywords in the context mm-hmm. of the placement. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we start with sort of the most basic spread that's sort of the most versatile, which is a three card spread. Exactly. So a three card spread, which is the one almost everyone's going to use at some point. Other than the one. Right. Other than the single card. <laughs> the single um, card. The three card spread can be. The placements can mean a variety of things. Mm -hmm. So there are a few standard ones that we'll talk about. Um, The one you'll probably find in most books or in the little booklet that comes with the tarot deck Mm -hmm. is a past, present, future spread Mm -hmm. where the card on the leftmost is the past, the card in the center is the present, and the card on the rightmost is the future. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most common of the three-card spreads. And what I'll see a lot of people doing, because especially the three-card spread is a very beginner-friendly spread, Mm -hmm. is that they'll say, well, in the past you have the Three of Swords, and that means there was heartbreak in the past. And Mm -hmm. then they just move on. Mm -hmm. The thing with a three-card spread, because it's very simple and focused, Mm -hmm. is that you have to have a question or concern. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be actually true for most spreads. You have to know what the reading is about before you start the reading. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can do a general reading with a three-card spread, but you have to know how to see how the past card is influencing the the present and how the present card is influencing the future and then how all three of them come to a conclusion and that takes practice it does and that's the biggest thing about spreads each placement means something specific Mm -hmm. but you're not actually reading each placement separately you're reading the card in the context of its placement and the placements in context of each other yep so that's i think where uh beginners can Mm -hmm. get stumped is because they are reading them as separate entities Mm -hmm. instead of something that flows one into the other and then has backflow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, The the spread is a web, Yeah. right? Each placement is interconnected with all of the placements around it. Mm -hmm. Some of those connections are closer than others, depending on how a spread is laid out, but they are all connected to Mm -hmm. and influencing each other. Mm -hmm. This is why one of the most useful things you can do when you are first starting tarot, which I talked about, I think, back in the Major Arcana episode, is have conversations with the cards, Mm -hmm. with each individual card, so that you know not just what it has to say about itself, but what it has to say about the other cards. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And sometimes um, you can also run into, if the querent does have a specific question, but the cards want to address a different issue, Mm -hmm. that can get a little confusing. So there's something really tricky about tarot and it's one of the more sort of esoteric things Mm -hmm. right Uh, it's one of the things that's harder to articulate because it's not about placements and card meanings Mm -hmm. and things like that it's about communing with the spirit of the deck or with whatever spirit you're communicating with through the deck because you can also do that exactly this is about setting an intention we talked about this a long time ago in in one of our very first divination episodes Mm -hmm. it's useful to have a ritual Mm -hmm. for how you set 
a space for divination and to use that ritual to not just set the space mm -hmm. to be sacred for divination, but to set your mind to tune yourself mm -hmm. to the, the purpose of the divination. And that's not just to like get into a divinatory mindset, but mm -hmm. it's also to establish what you're asking. Mm -hmm. And to connect with the deck. Or the deck and with the querent and, and with any mm -hmm. spirits you're consulting mm -hmm. on the subject. I have found that for me, there are specific, you could call it rituals, mm -hmm. actions between readings. Yes. So that I can refocus a lot of to another reader or yeah. to another querent a lot of tarot readers you'll see doing something called like shaking off the deck mm -hmm. um or knocking off the that's deck that's what i do i like to hold my deck up in a particular direction and flick it yep all of those little um sort of ticks that you'll see individual readers developing mm -hmm. are to quote knock off mm -hmm. the previous querent's energy yep. to sort of clear the deck of the previous question mm -hmm. and of the previous querent and of your own influence mm -hmm. so that it is sort of reset for the next querent. Yep. It's reset. And then I'll often, as I'm shuffling after I've knocked off the, mm -hmm. the energy, I'll speak to the deck, the name of the querent yes. and ask it to talk to me about this individual about their question or if they don't have a specific question. Cause I get that a lot. People are like, I don't know to have the deck focus on that individual. My routine, like when I'm doing an event where I'm going to see a lot of querents who I don't know. Right. Is that. And one right after exactly, the other. Is that as they're sitting down, I'll knock off the deck. Mm -hmm. As I start shuffling, I'll ask them what name I can call them. Mm -hmm. And as they are responding to me what their name is, I'm telling the deck, mm -hmm. this is who we're talking about right, right now. This is the person we're in communion with. Mm -hmm. And then I'll ask them what their question is mm -hmm. or if they have an area of concern or if they just want a general reading. And to be clear, a general reading is best described in my experience mm -hmm. as what does the universe or the exactly. deck want you to know? Yeah, exactly. And quite often that will be something that they are currently experiencing or something that they're avoiding, mm -hmm. but they already know the answer to. <laughs> you find that a lot. <laughs> I get that a lot. When I have one after the other, mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll do similar things like you. I'm talking to them while I'm shuffling, mm -hmm. getting their name, knocking the energy off and speaking to the deck, the name of that person. Yeah. I find it helps though before the entire event, mm -hmm. before I do the reading to make that space sacred. Yes. Yeah. Wherever your your reading space mm -hmm. is, that space needs to be sacred and specifically tuned for divination for exactly. the duration of the divinatory event. Exactly. Like for me, there's a silk scarf that I bring that I cover the table with and mm -hmm. I bring sage spray that I can spritz yep. around. And everybody... I have some specific stones I yeah. bring. Everybody does their own little way ritual of, of their own little ritual of clearing mm -hmm. um, and of then clearing talking. and setting and setting clearing setting and talking to the deck yeah it's also useful to set boundaries mm -hmm. uh, of like who you're going to be willing to talk to during a, a divination session mm -hmm. most querents aren't actually going to know who they want you to talk to mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're just sort of asking the universe in general mm -hmm. um, and so those are easy Every now and again, you'll get someone who's like, can you ask my ancestors or, mm -hmm. or this god or something like that? And so you need to know in advance whether you're capable of connecting to someone like that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not, don't pretend you are. Right. Tell them you can't or aren't willing to do that. There's a lot of chicanery. Yes. In the tarot community. And it's very important for us as ethical tarot readers, mm -hmm. right, to be honest about the things we can and can't and will and won't do. And I think right from the beginning, even as you're a beginning tarot reader, mm -hmm. especially if you're reading for others, know that there will be times that you simply don't connect mm -hmm. with the individual. The reading doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't happen. happen. It doesn't flow. It doesn't flow. The person is going, this makes no sense to uh -huh. me. And you can, you know, what I always say is, you know, just sit on it. Mm -hmm. it, it may make sense in the future, but it, it may not. Something else I'll say is you can usually tell if it's going to be that kind of reading mm -hmm. while you're shuffling. Immediately. Immediately. That 
for me, it usually is that the person is very closed off. Yeah, they have a, a closed energy. They and they're just they're either they're skeptical or they're scared or mm-hmm. or they just they themselves have such a strong such a high wall high wall in yeah. front of them. They have they're very strong sh- barriers. They're probably unconsciously shielded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you just you know it's just not happening. Yeah, and that's when you just have to just do the best you can mm-hmm. and and be honest about be the honest. fact that like this is not connecting yeah just be honest <laughs> i have not yet had a reading where i've had to just tell someone like i'm not getting a single iota of a read off of you you're gonna have to take your money and go <laughs> um but i anticipate someday that probably will happen and there have been times when i've had to reshuffle the deck because i'm just getting nothing yeah i have to clean it reshuffle it start over and start over and even then it's still a struggle Mm -hmm. yeah it's like pulling teeth it's like pulling teeth there are some querents who are just like that yeah and it's usually not something they're doing on purpose oh no no not at all they're Um, not every now and again you'll get a tester yes that's the other (laughs) thing i guess we should tell people yeah is that every now and then you will get someone who will just not respond to you at all yeah they're trying to they're trying to test your divinatory power exactly it is so funny because it's very hard obviously to to read a person uh-huh. like that and you're just like okay i get what you're doing well mm-hmm. i'm just going to give you this reading right here's what the reading means and this take is it or the, leave it you know and i have found more times than not we get to the end of the reading and they're like that was spot on right i'm surprised i'm surprised <laughs> that really made sense mm-hmm but they're, un- they're unwilling to sort of cooperate with the reading until yep. the end of it. <laughs> yep. They won't ask any questions. Uh-huh. They won't respond they won't to respond. anything. They won't respond. You try to explain the cards to them uh-huh. and they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. That's all you get. That's all you get. <laughs> and so you're just like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. It's the cards and I. We're having a little uh-huh. session here. We're just, just among we're ourselves. Just, and you're just, among just, ourselves. you're just witnessing. They're just watching. <laughs> Finn says the reading was for another reader, another tarot reader. That can be challenging too. Yes. Reading for, reading for another tarot reader is always interesting because every tarot reader has a distinct set of personal interpretations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they will argue with you about what yep. the reading means. Or they'll be interpreting the cards while you're trying to interpret. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's funny because some tarot readers essentially believe you shouldn't read for yourself. I'm not one of them. I read for myself all the time. Mm -hmm. I read for myself more than anyone else. There are some tarot readers who believe you shouldn't read tarot for yourself. And so Mm -hmm. they'll go to other tarot readers and then argue about the results. Yeah. I like to go occasionally to other tarot readers because I feel like, especially if it's a really... Sometimes it's good to get outside insight. Yeah. I feel like if it's a really important decision or Mm -hmm. something really major in my life... Really personal issue. Really personal issue. I am concerned that... I'm going to influence the cards rather than interpret what they're trying to say to me. So that's why I'll go to another reader, either to confirm something I already suspect or have Mm -hmm. already read, or just because I just want an outside party. So I'll be honest, I don't struggle with that as much. I think because I think of the deck as an outside entity. That's true. So I'm already getting an outside entity perspective Mm -hmm. (laughs) anytime I go to the cards yeah yeah so there are other standard three card spreads like I Mm -hmm. said past present and future is the most common one Mm -hmm. there's also mental emotional and physical Mm -hmm. there's one that I use called the advisory board Mm -hmm. where one card is the gods one card is the spirits and one card is the ancestors Mm -hmm. sometimes honestly I pull three cards but I'm really doing a one card spread with clarifiers yes I have done that before where the center card is actually is the the actual answer yeah and the two flanking cards are clarifiers right exactly so it looks like a three card spread but it's really a one card Mm -hmm. spread other times what i'll do is the middle card is the querent Mm -hmm. and the other two cards are what's influencing them at this time yeah you can also do that i guess this segues well into a one card spread Mm -hmm. right um Mm -hmm. a one card spread is where you ask someone asks a question and you put down one card and that's the answer and that's the i call these conversations because they can sometimes go back and forth like conversations do i had a uh returning querent Mm -hmm. for a while a client i guess you would call her Mm mm-hmm who would come to me and ask questions and I would pull a card and she we, she would respond to the answer of that card mm-hmm. and I would pull, pull another, another card, card and we would go through half the deck that way, having a conversation between her and me and the deck. Right. And it like we would end up with 30 cards on the table, mm-hmm. but one at a time. Right, exactly. And sometimes that's useful mm-hmm. because that helps the querent 
to really focus in on that you know on and sometimes each individual it helps, aspect of the of the reading yeah and sometimes it helps the querent narrow down what their actual question is because mm-hmm. a lot of times when they sit down at the table they don't know what they want to know just mm-hmm. that they want to know something exactly which is why you also get a lot of people who just have a general reading kind mm-hmm. of question even if it's about when am i going to get married or, or will i have children that or, i would say is more specific than most people who yeah, sit down they'll just say just yeah just give me a general reading what uh-huh. what do i need to know about yeah because they have sort of a, a sense of uncertainty but they're not sure what it means or what it's about or what what their real concerns are. Right. And so doing something like a conversation can help them figure it out because mm-hmm. they say, tell me what's wrong. And you put down one card mm-hmm. and the card says, this is what's wrong. And they say, here are my thoughts on that. Yeah, exactly. And that can be a very useful tool for mm-hmm. getting more granular. Exactly. In- and that can be useful not just with Aquarian, but with yourself. Yep. When you're trying to figure out sort of like, what am I, like if you have any sort of nebulous anxieties, what I call in the body stress, where Mm -hmm. like I can feel that I'm stressed out, but there's nothing in my mind that is causing me stress. So I don't know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. It can be really useful to do this kind of conversation with the deck to sort of narrow things down. Exactly. Another term that we just used was clarifiers. Mm -hmm. So a clarifier is a secondary card that you pull to get more insight on a card that's already in a spread. Mm -hmm. So if you pull a three card draw and you go through it and the querent is just really confused about what that present card means, Mm -hmm. even though you've gone through the reading and you've you've gone through all the context, but they just can't grip what this is about, you can pull a clarifier Mm -hmm. from the deck to try to get more context on what that card means. Mm -hmm. Some people, are going to need a clarifier for every card, and mm-hmm. some people will never use a clarifier. Exactly. It's highly variable. Mm-hmm. It really is, because every single querent is different. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you understand that every reading is is going to be different. You cannot assembly line tarot readings. No, you can't. They will. You may pull the exact same cards <laughs> for and have two them different... Mean completely different yeah, things. for two different people... And they'll be completely different readings. Mm-hmm. And that's as it should be. Exactly. And sometimes when you're doing an event, mm-hmm. like we've talked about, where you see a bunch of querents in a row, that'll happen. Oh, yeah. No the, matter how carefully you shuffle the deck, you'll get like the seven of wands in three different... Times. Yeah, and you'll be like, okay, I guess everyone's dealing with a similar problem right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so that that's important to know is that, and to remember, is that every single reading is different. And the reason this happens, no matter how carefully you shuffle the deck, Mm -hmm. is not because you're pulling that card subconsciously Mm -hmm. or it's it's not an influence thing. It's because there's only 78 cards in the deck Mm -hmm. and each one means a specific thing and the deck only has so many ways to say them. That's right. So if it pulls the same card every time, all those people are dealing with that card's problems. Mm -hmm. The deck just has literally only this way to say it. Exactly. The other thing that'll happen to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you too, is that I'll be shuffling and asking the deck to give me cards, you know, and telling me when to stop. And then cards will just fly out. Yeah. So that's something else we should talk about is flyaways. Mm -hmm. So some people don't use flyaways. I always use flyaways. Gwyn uses every flyaway. I do it on a context-specific basis. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know sometimes I'm just going to fumble the cards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes cards are going to fall just because I was fat-fingered or I wasn't paying attention or it was windy mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, there are a thousand things that could cause a card to fall. But if the energy mm-hmm. says that's an important card, mm-hmm. then that's a card that goes into the spread. Usually mm-hmm. I don't add it to the spread mm-hmm. in a position. I add it as a side clarifier. And I should I should qualify. I can tell when Mm -hmm. I have fat fingered something or just I've lost control Uh of them and when it is a flyaway. Sometimes they're called flyaways. Sometimes they're called wild cards. Sometimes they're called jumpers. Jumpers. Um, Yeah, that's another one. (laughs) But whatever it is, it's a card that comes out of the deck that you didn't intend to take out of the deck. Exactly. And it is specifically meant to be part of the spread. Sometimes for me, it is the the querent card Mm -hmm. if it's just one. Sometimes... I, I've had as many as three or four come out and they are meant mm-hmm. to be at different parts of the spread. And I just follow whatever the intu- ever I'm feeling the energy of, of that is. Yeah. I 
I'm a little more cautious with my flyaways than mm-hmm. Gwen is, I think. Frequently, what I'll do is I'll shuffle a flyaway back into the deck and see if it comes out again. Mm-hmm. If it comes out a second time, it's guaranteed. But either way, uh, a flyaway usually means that there's something separate from mm-hmm. the spread or from the original question that needs to be addressed. Usually I find flyaways happen when the spread you were going to lay down isn't sufficient to the, the situation, mm-hmm. personally. For me, it's a little different. For me, it just feels that the deck is saying these are important cards to include. Ma- ma- again, maybe, my, maybe my deck is just more disciplined than yours. I don't know. Could be. But, um, but <laughs> more, is, more rigid. Yeah. But this is important to note as well is that different mm-hmm. readers will have different experiences, feel their energy differently. In different ways. And yep. in different ways and use their intuition in different ways. Yeah. And so that is how I determine what is to be used and what is not and how it's to be used as I use my intuition on what those flyaways mean. Speaking of using your intuition and using your energy when laying out the cards, Mm -hmm. a question beginners have a lot is, Mm -hmm. how do I know when to stop shuffling? Exactly. (laughs) How do I know when to stop? Yeah, for me, it's just... You just know. Uh huh. It's yeah. just it's just a feeling. It's like okay, this is the one we start with. Hello. It's I would for me because I tend to feel my intuition very physically. Mm-hmm. I feel divination in the top of my head and around sort of the back of my spine, mm-hmm. and that's for snake reasons that don't matter. Snake so, energy. Uh huh. So when it's time to stop shuffling, I feel like a tingling in mm-hmm. sort of in my scalp, mm-hmm. and I know okay, shuffling is over. It's time to lay out the cards. For me, it is. Uh, almost always in my chest mm-hmm. is always a this is it this is this is the certainty mm-hmm. of this is where we stop and sometimes you feel like the, they're just sitting there like you're like you're wasting Cause you're, my, right because you're shuffling for like five minutes and they're like you're wasting my time and my money and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm honestly not i'm just waiting for the fucking deck to tell me when to, to stop just, to say we're done <laughs> Sometimes if, if it's going for a very long time, I'll change my shuffling style yeah, yeah. because it because usually that means like whatever shuffle I'm doing it's isn't, just isn't getting the right cards where yeah. they need to be. Exactly. So I'll go from, you know, doing the... From a bridge, the, the bridge to, a, to, yeah, the, to an overhand. Exactly. Or, yeah. exactly. So change, change up your shuffle style Sometimes if it's taking a long time. Sometimes just cutting the deck yeah. yep. helps. Because um, um, usually if it's taking a long time, it just means the cards aren't in the right position. Yeah. And whatever you're doing isn't getting them there. <laughs> yep. Um, but it is important to develop that skill, mm-hmm. to know when to stop or to trust your intuition yeah. to trust and that to you not, know when to stop. And to not jump the gun yeah. because it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't jump the gun just because you're feeling uncomfortable uh-huh. or, the, or, or, judged. or judged by the querent. Mm-hmm. Just breathe mm-hmm. and trust your intuition. Something that can help with that in my experience is like when I'm doing timed readings, like often I'll give someone like 15 minutes for a reading. I don't start the timer until the shuffle's done. Yes, exactly. So that they feel like they're getting their money's worth. Exactly. <laughs> the same. I usually do not start the timer until I actually start interpreting the yeah. cards. Until the cards are on the table. Yep. I never it's not start... exactly thrilling to watch someone shuffle cards. No, it's really not. That's why I <laughs> While usually... gazing into the middle distance. Or closing your eyes. Uh-huh, Often yeah. I'll close my eyes and I'm talking to the deck and they must be thinking, my God, this woman is insane. <laughs> it just takes a while sometimes. It just takes a while sometimes. But yeah, I never start in the timer until mm-hmm. the cards are on the table. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of it is is just learning to how it feels mm-hmm. for you and trusting, what what your experience is of it's time and trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. That yeah. can take time. Yes, and that is the probably the hardest skill to build yep. for a tarot reader is trust in your own skills and interpretations. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a beginner, because oh, you absolutely. you know you're gonna fuck it up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you will. Yep, and it's hard, especially for a beginner, to get away from the book. You know, a lot of yes. beginners will have the book nearby to assist, but it it really is hard for people to let go of the book and mm-hmm. just trust what yeah what they're what the cards are saying. And I think the thing to remember is that your interpretation is not necessarily going to be what the book says. It's what the cards are telling you in this particular moment. Again, that's something you have to trust yourself. And it's a skill that takes time. That you build. That you build. Yeah. It takes time. And that's why 
why, I mean, I do suggest people read for themselves mm -hmm. um, extensively before they start reading for other people. Because mm -hmm. you start building that trust mm -hmm. um, in your skills before you're faced with someone else's judgment and opinion. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I said, I, I read for myself, but mm -hmm. every now and then it is nice to get someone else's oh, yeah, yeah. outside opinion. And I do not sit there and interpret the cards while they're re giving me a reading. No. If I get a reading on anything, oh, no. in any style from any other reader, I give them my full respect. And you know what I do? I actually go to the table as if I know nothing. Yeah. Like, I know please, nothing. Treat me like a normal yep. ass querent. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to let them interpret the uh -huh. cards and I'm just going to listen. That's easiest if they don't know you as a tarot reader. Yes. But if you're going, like sometimes at these events, we'll sort of trade each other yeah. readings. Yeah. So you know the other person is a tarot reader mm -hmm. or a bone reader or whatever. Yep. But and I just give them the respect of, mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here and respect and listen to what you have to tell me. Yeah. You are the teacher I'm, in this moment. Yes. You are the teacher in this moment. I'm not going to tell you what I think the cards are saying. Mm -hmm. And if I disagree, I'll keep it to myself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The tarot is for me anyway. Exactly. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a Pagans in Need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! All right, so now we have to talk about my least favorite spread of all time. <laughs> Which is? The Celtic cross. I, you know what? I don't even know the Celtic cross. I've I, never used it. Yes, I've never learned it. It's awful. I've never, ever, ever, ever. Because I looked at that thing and I thought, yeah, no. So here's the real problem with the Celtic cross, right? So I'll describe it. It's a 10 card spread. Mm -hmm. There are two crossed cards in the center, one vertical, one horizontal, placed on top of each other. There are four cards placed around it in cardinal directions. And then there are four cards on the right-hand side of the spread, placed vertically from top to bottom. This spread is a mess. <laughs> it was created like a hundred years ago, and you could fucking tell. Uh -huh. It is vague. It is complicated. In a, in a well-constructed spread, all of the cards in all of the placements interact. Mm -hmm. We just talked about this, yep. right? The web. Yep. In a Celtic cross, at most, two cards apiece talk to each other. Right. At most, two <laughs> out of a 10-card spread. This spread is a disaster, and it is a crime <laughs> that it is the most common spread, that it is in every book, and that it is pushed at every beginner. Yep, and I never did it. It I is never even, awful. I never even attempted it. <laughs> I just looked at that thing and said, no. I'm not going to do that. I, uh -huh. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't speak to There's me. There's no intuitive connection no at intuitive all. intuitive connection. Nothing. I, I want nothing to do with this. The Celtic, And you will find so many tarot speakers and authors and quote unquote experts who try to justify the Celtic cross. And they would all be better served to just pitch it. <laughs> Just throw it away. As you can tell, Ode has very strong feelings about oh the Celtic God, cross. Oh my God, I hate the Celtic cross. So we, neither <laughs> one of us obviously use the Celtic cross. No, I did. And that's part of why I'm so mad about it. Because <laughs> when I first started tarot, I ha it was in my little booklet. Sure. And so like, this was the only tarot spread I knew. So mm -hmm. I used the Celtic cross. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from extensive experience, it is hot garbage. You do not learn a useful single goddamn thing from a Celtic cross. <laughs> a very expert tarot reader can probably, with great effort, pull something useful out of a Celtic cross. But you're going to ignore half the cards to do it. Mm -hmm. So why bother? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, 
it's not because it's a 10 card spread. Mm -hmm. I have a 10 card spread that I use all the time, which I'll tell you about later, mm -hmm. which is much more coherent than this, mm -hmm. which serves basically the same function, except that all of the cards mean something and all of them talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Celtic crosses, it, it feels like it was invented by someone who didn't understand tarot. Right. I don't know who came up with the Celtic cross. I know it's been around forever. I didn't look into who came up no. with it because I don't respect whoever it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like something that was devised to look a particular way mm -hmm. and not to serve a particular function. Mm -hmm. It's very impressive looking. And in fact, when you see TV shows or movies that, that are using tarot, a lot of times you'll see a facsimile of something like the Celtic mm -hmm. cross, you know, being used. Yep. Because it, it looks impressive as yeah. far as It does. It looks, spread. It, it looks, looks very fancy. It looks very fancy. It looks very extensive. It looks exotic. It looks, exactly. It, it's a beautiful looking spread. Mm -hmm. It's just not necessarily useful. It just doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's hot garbage. So throw away anything you think you know about the Celtic cross and just don't use it mm. ever, ever. Just don't use it. <laughs> It's a waste of your time. I'm not even going to tell you what the placements mean because truly they don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. But I do have some spreads that I am going to tell you that I'm going to share with you. Mm -hmm. So mine are probably a little bit more simple as far as, but I get a lot of information from them. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter if it's simple or if, or if it it's is complex. complex. As long as you are getting the information that you can share to the querent, as long as you are able to interpret what the cards are saying to each other and to you, that is all that matters. If you only ever use a three-card spread to do all of your readings, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't That's, matter. A three-card spread is probably the most versatile and useful spread you'll ever Absolutely, learn. Absolutely, because you can change each card. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can change you what could, it means. Gwen is exactly right. You could work purely with three-card spreads for your entire career and never have a bad reading. Exactly. So um, I don't want anybody to think that Three-card spread is the workhorse of the tarot community. It and it deserves more respect than it gets. It is and it does. And so I don't want anybody to think that you have to have a lot of cards on the table mm -hmm. or that it has to be fancy and have all these exotic configurations. Uh, configurations. No. Sometimes simpler is better. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's how I am in my, my craft. That's how I am in my divination. Um, and, and by I, contrast, like I said, you can use 10 cards in, in a reading and be absolutely. fine. I like I said, I have a 10 card spread I'm going to tell you about. But they, they all have to mean something. Yep, they all have to mean something. I'm going to tell you about some spreads that I quote unquote invented, arguably. I still have debates with myself about whether I came up with these or these were given to me by the spirits. Because they just sort of came into my brain fully formed. And I didn't go through like a production process to figure these out. So the first one and the one I use most often, the one that's most useful, mm -hmm. I've talked about before, I think it's called the Graveyard Vigil. It is a problem solving spread. It cannot be used for a general reading cannot be used for a reading where the querent just has a, an area of concern. The querent needs to have a specific problem that they want a solution to. Mm -hmm. Getting a querent to figure out what that problem is and, and to articulate it is the cha most challenging part of the graveyard vigil. Mm -hmm. But if you can get a querent who'll do that, the graveyard vigil will answer the problem, right? So a graveyard vigil is you place one horizontal card and that is the grave. This represents the problem. You place three vertical cards above the grave. These are the mourners. They represent influences on the problem. They are, from left to right, the outsider, the lantern, and the lover. The outsider is outside influences. The lantern provides illumination for how you got here, and the lover is what's keeping you in this situation. Mm -hmm. You place one more vertical card below the grave. This is the psychopomp. He is the solution to your problem. His job is to get you out of the grave. Those are the placements and the challenge of the graveyard vigil is interpreting the cards into those placements and sort of unpacking what the problem really is, how the querent got into this situation and how they can get out of it. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful and effective spread. Once you understand it, it can be a little tricky to get a grip on because it's very chronic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it helps if you have a connection to a death deity or some other psychopomp. That's right. You know, I've known about the, the graveyard vigil. Mm -hmm. I haven't used it. And I'm sitting here going, why haven't I used this spread? <laughs> I, I work with Hakati. Uh -huh. It you, would make yeah. sense. 
Anytime I can get a, I can get a querent to articulate a specific problem, mm -hmm. I use a graveyard vigil because it's the most effective spread I've found mm -hmm. for solving problems. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know if I came up with that or if like if it was given to you or or if Our Lady Underground gave it to me. Um, I sort of feel like the latter, but I don't want to make that claim for her. One of my standard spreads that uh, if if I'm doing a major reading for someone, it's called a Hecate's Wheel or Hecate's Wheel. I saw it somewhere. I don't know if it was online or in a book or mm -hmm. what it was, but I saw it and I re it really spoke to me and then I adjusted it so it works for me. <laughs> Never be afraid to change a no. spread for your own purposes. Exactly. So I don't even remember what the original designations were, mm -hmm. right? But uh, for this, the center card is the querent mm -hmm. and then there are three spokes. One spoke goes from the top mm -hmm. around okay. to the left. The other spoke goes from the top to the right and around. Uh, a third spoke. A third spoke that goes around in the bottom. I usually put three to four cards, depending on how I'm vibes. feeling. The vibes. In each spoke. Okay. And the spoke on the left for most readings, although it can alter depending on what the person is asking, is influences. Okay. Spoke to the right on the top is mm -hmm. present day situation. Okay. What's happening in the present and then the bottom is the is the solution or a direction to go for the future and okay. how this situation can resolve, could resolve, or what potentially the future looks like. Okay. Depending on the question. Right. And each card influences the other. So you start from the, the card that touches the querent. Mm -hmm. That's the first influence. And that's the most current influence okay. and as you move further out on the spoke deeper and deeper this is what's been influencing you over time okay it's a similar interpretation for the other spokes for what's present is what's current the first card is in, the most imminent, is the most imminent situation that you're dealing spreading with. deeper and it spreads deeper to to what has been occurring in the present day or even past situations okay. that are affecting So if you were to present. visualize this wheel in mm -hmm. like a three-dimensional space, mm -hmm. it would be sort of the spokes go underground. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got the bottom again. It, it's the whatever is closest to the querent is the most imminent. And then as you move f further into the spoke, it is potential. Right. Further future. Further future. Okay. Interesting. So that's... That's my most common spread that I use. How many cards do you think that is usually? Probably 12 or 13. Okay. Oh, and then I always, I always include three clarifiers and they go at the top. Ah, okay. One for each spoke? One for each spoke. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So more cards than that. Uh-huh, so yeah. probably more, more like 15. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> quite, a, quite a large spread. It's, it's a large spread. And I, I only do it if I'm going to be doing a very long, intensive reading. Right. So this is something that, you know, it can last 45 minutes. Now, is it possible to do a short version? Like, could you do yes. two cards per spoke? Yes, I could. I For have like in... imminent influence, ancient influence. Yes, I could. And I have done just one or two cards on the spoke. Mm -hmm. So it can be shortened. Okay. Mm -hmm. Adaptable. It is adaptable. And it can change from influence, present, and solution slash future mm -hmm. to whatever is dealing. The, the spoke to the left is always what's influencing the querent. Okay. But the other two spokes can be adjusted depending if they have a on specific, the situation. Yeah, on the situation or have okay. a specific question. Would you use that for a general reading? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I find it very effective for a general reading because it goes deeper. Right. And and it's both what's current and what has been going on for some time. Okay. So my uh, second spread to share, again, don't know where this one came from. Don't think it was from Our Lady Underground this time. Uh, I call this one the tapestry. It is a 10 card spread. It's also, this one's more versatile than the graveyard vigil, right? So the mm. graveyard vigil has a very specific use case. The tapestry can be used for a general reading. It can be used for a general area of concern. It can be used if the querent has a specific question, but they don't want it like solved. <laughs> they just want it like explicated. Then you can use the tapestry for that. There are three rows. The first row is the mental or emotional thread. First card is placed vertically. Second card is placed horizontally. Third card is placed vertically. Right, so going down the thread. And then the second thread is the spiritual aspect of the reading. Mm -hmm. And then the third thread is the physical aspect of the reading. And in, in all of those threads, you place one vertical, one horizontal, one vertical. And then you place an additional card vertically to 
I usually place it to the right. You could place it to the left or to the top or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, but by tradition, I place it to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the shuttle. So the vertical cards are the warps and the horizontal cards are the wefts. The only other thing you need to know about the tapestry is that the horizontal card, the weft of the spiritual thread, is placed upside down, face down. And that's dealt with by the shuttle later. The placements of the cards along the thread, the topmost vertical card is where you are in this thread. So your present situation, mentally and emotionally, spiritually and physically. The bottom warp, so the third card down the second vertical card Mm -hmm. is where you're going or could go so the future in that thread the weft which is the horizontal card shows you how you get to or avoid that outcome depending on whether it's a positive or negative outcome right the reason that the weft of the spiritual thread is played face down when you first lay the card is that sometimes for your spiritual development, it is necessary to not know something. Sometimes a god or a spirit is keeping a secret from you for a good reason. In that case, because tarot can sometimes upset those plans, out of respect for the gods and spirits who may be involved in your spiritual development, that card is placed face down and the shuttle is played face up to determine whether that card is permitted to be flipped over. If the shuttle indicates that that revealing this information would be good for you and is acceptable to the gods or spirits involved in your development, the card can be flipped and it can be interpreted. If it is not, only the shuttle is interpreted to tell you why this weft is not being shown to you. Mm -hmm. This is a very complicated spread to interpret Mm -hmm. because there are so many intersections between so many different cards. Mm -hmm. And I would not recommend the tapestry to a beginner just because there are so many things to keep track of. Mm -hmm. But if you are an experienced tarot reader, the tapestry can reveal a lot of really interesting information Mm -hmm. and it can be a useful preemption because the weft can reveal to you how to avoid outcomes you might not want. Mm -hmm. Or how to pursue outcomes you might prefer. And it can do... Both of those things at the same time, if you are familiar enough with the cards and with the interpretation process. But if you're not familiar enough with the cards and the interpretation process, it can get really confusing and muddy. Mm -hmm. I would say it is more structured than the Celtic cross, but if you're not familiar enough with tarot, it can create the same kind of confusion that the Celtic cross can. Mm -hmm. So I really suggest not approaching the tapestry unless you are confident in your interpretation abilities. Mm -hmm. Playing that face down card is controversial Mm -hmm. and you will get people arguing with you about it. (laughs) So I guess the next spread that I use um, is usually one where there is a specific problem or a specific question that the querent has. And it is a six card straight line. Mm-hmm. And the card on the left is the problem. Mm-hmm. The very next card is influences about what that problem is. Okay. Uh, influences on the problem. Influences on the problem. The past, how that problem has affected the querent. The middle card is the querent. Okay. It goes to what kind of influences can improve the situation. Okay. And then the final solution. Okay. A problem solving spread. Yeah, it's a problem solving spread. Yeah. So, like I said, my my spreads don't tend to be overly complicated. Right. But they give me a lot of information. Now, something I do notice is that in both of your spreads, you have querent cards. I don't really use querent cards, ever. I don't use signifiers, really. The graveyard vigil, Mm -hmm. even the grave, isn't a signifier of the querent. It's a representation of the problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious why you use signifiers. I think it's because... When I'm doing a reading, what the cards and I are doing is tapping into the energy of the of the querent. Mm-hmm. And so that signifying card, that, that querent card, is, I guess you could say, a conduit. It's like an index tag lock. Yeah, it's like a tag lock to that person, to that individual, to their energy, to what is going on in their life. And that brings it into the reading. That's how it works for me. That's interesting because I, I, yeah, that's just interesting. I've never felt the need to do that. For me, I think speaking the name is enough to sort of mm-hmm. lock the deck onto that person. Mm-hmm. 
also, I'm frequently not speaking to, like, that person's energy. Mm -hmm. Frequently, I'm speaking about that person to someone or something else mm -hmm. and getting that being's uh, input. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Different strokes for different, different folks. folks. That's right. I don't actually have like another spread that I use. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I think that I can talk about here is like a specific variant of a conversation that I do, mm -hmm. which is when I'm trying to get information from spirits that don't speak in language. So like I struggle sometimes to communicate with the house spirits mm -hmm. because at least in my experience, they're not very talkative in an, in an easily interpretable way. Mm -hmm. And yet they have specific wants. Mm -hmm. So like trying to figure out what they want for like offerings mm -hmm. will involve like going around to different parts of the house until like I feel the presence of the spirit I'm looking for. And then playing different cards while I ask questions and having to interpret those cards in the context of like very non-tarot questions. Mm -hmm. So like, what kind of offering do you want? And putting down a card and having to figure out like, okay, well, there's grapes in this. So some kind of fruit. What kind of fruit do you want? Mm -hmm. Putting down a card and okay, there's no fruits on this card, but there's the color red. Like, mm -hmm. and so like having to interpret the cards in a very sort of non-standard way mm -hmm. to get information. Mm -hmm. I actually really recommend doing this as sort of a, a way to stretch your tarot muscles, right? To force mm -hmm. you to examine the cards and the imagery of mm -hmm. the cards in a different way mm -hmm. because it will deepen your understanding of the cards mm -hmm. to be sort of more aware of not even like interpretive layers or interpretive meanings of the card, but almost more literal sort of surface level, like visual punches from mm -hmm. the card. And they can become visual cues. Yes. Because you've, you've gotten used to what's in that picture, mm -hmm. that card, that image, and especially if you get away from the book, yep. it may actually start meaning something different to you. And this shit is going to stick with you from your first deck forever. Mm -hmm. I've got like ground down into my bones levels of interpretation for these cards from my first deck mm -hmm. that are wholly inspired by the visual information from that deck mm -hmm. that is completely different in other decks. But like that was my one deck for like mm -hmm. 10 years. Mm -hmm. So to me, those cards always have those like ghost images mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. As you get more comfortable with a deck, whether you have one deck or a few that you swap out, mm -hmm. you will build those kinds of interpretive layers mm -hmm. so that even when you're using different decks, other decks will still be speaking to you. Exactly. And sometimes it's okay if you only have one deck that mm -hmm. you use regularly, mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine. As far as decks for me, when I'm doing readings publicly, mm -hmm. there is one deck and one deck only that I use, and yeah. that is the Gilded Tarot. For whatever reason, that is the deck that I use. Now, if I'm doing an online reading for someone, mm -hmm. I might use something else. Something more versatile. I might use something more versatile. But if I'm in a facing a, a querent, mm -hmm. always, 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 and almost always, I'm going to be using the Gilded to tarot. If I'm doing a reading for myself, I'll go to a different deck. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, you, you work with what feels right to you. Right. Uh, under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. I do know some readers who bring like a variety of decks and let querents choose mm -hmm. which deck they want. I personally would not do that because I think querents don't know what's best for them. Right. I know that there are some who will combine the cards and mm -hmm. pull, pull a reading from different decks. Different decks, yep. I also know some readers who let querents touch their decks. I don't and do I that. Never, ever, 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 ever will. Yeah. I can get their energy just fine without them touching it. Yeah. I used to. I used to allow querents to cut the deck, mm -hmm. um, but it felt wrong. Yeah. So I stopped doing that. Yeah. It's very common for readers to insist that that's necessary to get the querents energy on the deck. In my experience, it's not necessary. No. So do whatever makes sense to you. That's essentially when I started <laughs> using a querent card. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I In lieu of them, uh, of them touching, of them the deck. touching yeah. or cutting the, the cards or interacting in any way mm -hmm. with, with the deck other than looking at them. Yeah. That's when I started using the querent card. Speaking of which, you said you had one more? Oh, it's just another simple five card. Okay. Um, This one again, querent in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then it's that same kind of influences on the left. I don't know why influences are always on the left for me. The 
card on the top is past, the card on the right is present, and the card on the bottom is solutions. Hmm. As with any of the spreads that I use, each of the cards can be changed Mm -hmm. for what is necessary for the reading. I'll be honest, although my three card spreads are very adaptable, Mm -hmm. my like structured spreads are not. They always like the placements mean what they mean. Well, I could say probably when I'm doing a Hakati's wheel, it's always the the way that I described Mm -hmm. it. It can it can be changed. Yeah. But I generally don't. Yeah. I just I I think I would feel uncomfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, it's up to another each thing reader. That's, yeah, and another thing that's interesting is like I feel absolutely no draw to use the spreads you describe. I think yeah. because my needs are sort of perfectly suited mm-hmm. already by the spreads I already have. Yeah. So I, I guess my advice for someone would be like find the spreads that work for you and just stick with them. And just stick with them. Exactly. You don't need to know like a dozen different spreads. No. And I've used these spreads mm-hmm. for years now. And these are the only spreads that I use. Yeah, and, and like I use a standard three card, mm-hmm. uh, a one card conversation, yep. and these two specific spreads. And that's all I use. Yeah. And I will be really surprised if I ever use another spread, honestly. Yeah. Except maybe to experiment. I mostly, because I don't do as many private readings anymore, mm-hmm. that's when I really use the Hecate's Wheel, was whenever I do a private reading. Mm-hmm. I mostly do event readings now. Yeah. And so it's almost always three card. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be the five card. Elle says, how do y'all feel about rearranging cards in a spread after they've been laid down? Sometimes I'll do it if I'm trying to articulate something to a querent. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm trying to help them understand the connections between cards, I will like pull them so that their corners overlap. Okay. Or I will like adjust them around um, so that the querent can see the connections I'm making. Mm -hmm. um, Because I already know what the placements are. Right. Right. I put them down in a specific way. I know what those placements are. I know where those cards belong. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter to me for my interpretation if Mm -hmm. I move them. Mm -hmm. Because I already have them set in my brain where they were originally. Right. Sometimes I'll take a photo of the the spread so I can give it to the querent afterwards. But yeah, I'm I'm comfortable moving the cards because sometimes that helps the querent understand. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And ultimately, the purpose of a tarot reading is to help the querent mm-hmm. understand something. Yeah. It's not about the purity of the divination, right? It's not about the art form. You are providing a service mm-hmm. to someone who has a question. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll turn cards around. I'll hold mm-hmm. it up so they can see it. I'll yeah, move. and I'll move them around the table and yeah. everything. Because like I said, the original placement is only relevant for me as the interpreter. Mm-hmm. The querent doesn't, if they're not interested in the specific layout of the cards, they don't need that. Yeah. And ultimately... Ultimately, what the querent needs is that's what it's my job to provide. Mm-hmm. I do think of tarot as being like a, a practice that requires a certain amount of ethical obligation, right? Mm-hmm, like definitely. You are there to perform a spiritual service. service. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to say that. You may have to put a this is for fun and games disclaimer out mm-hmm. for, you know, legal, legal reasons. reasons. Mm-hmm. But you are providing a spiritual service. Mm-hmm. And so you have ethical obligations to your querent. Mm-hmm. You should not give them any advice that will cause them to harm themselves or others. Nope. You should not give them advice about money Mm-mm. that you are not qualified to give. I would be very cautious giving health advice, mm-hmm. even romantic advice you need to take a, a soft touch with. You have to be very conscious of mm-hmm. the responsibility that is laid on you as a tarot reader because you are in this moment, in this space, being viewed by the querent as a figure of authority. That's right. And whenever I do public readings or readings for people privately, anytime I'm going to do a reading for a querent, Mm -hmm. I always begin by calling on Frega Mm -hmm. because she is a seer. And she is one who knows when to hold her tongue. Yeah, when to not look. When to not look and when to not speak. Because there are just sometimes things that we see and know in a tarot reading that the querent simply should not know. So you have to be able to trust and know that just because it says it in the spread does not mean you necessarily have to share it. Yeah. Have wisdom. Learn to hold your tongue. Yep. Know when to share and when to hold back. Mm Mm-hmm. You are not there just as a truth speaker. Mm -mm. You are also being regarded as a counselor Mm -hmm. and as a figure of spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. Take those responsibilities seriously. Mm -hmm. Even if you're doing it for fun with your friends, because sometimes it will go deeper than you expect. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, hate to be a killjoy, but... But it's true. That's them's the breaks. 
Read responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> Do your readings responsibly. You can have fun with it. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we've done drunk divination oh, yeah. for years. Like, you can have fun with it, mm -hmm. but know your responsibilities. Know your responsibilities. Absolutely. So really quickly, before we end this episode, because it's gone a little long, I want to talk about cross-suit interpretation. Mm -hmm. This is the practice interpreting another suit's number. Mm -hmm into a numbered card in a different suit that is actually in the spread. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of different reasons you might do this, right? So if you play, and my, my examples here are gonna be the Three of Cups and the Three of Swords. If you play a Three of Cups and you have a spread which is very heavily swords, I might interpret cross suit mm -hmm. swords energy into this Three of Cups. Mm -hmm. If the imagery on a particular cups, Three of Cups, has, you know, sharp edges mm -hmm. in this in the imagery of this particular deck. I might interpret cross suit to the Three of Swords. If the energy of the Querent is swordsy, mm -hmm. I might interpret a swords suit into this Three of Cups. Mm -hmm. Cross suit interpretations never replace the card that is actually on the table. Mm -hmm. The card that is actually on the table is the most important card. They modify or flavor the card that is on the table. Mm -hmm. So if I was cross-suit interpreting a Three of Swords on a Three of Cups, the Three of Cups means celebration and a close group of friends. Mm -hmm. If for any of these reasons, I am interpreting cross suit from a three of swords, it doesn't mean that there's not still that close group of friends or that it is not still a, a situation calling for celebration. Mm -hmm. But I might say that there is sort of an underlying poison in that cup. There is something dangerous under the water mm -hmm. in that cup. There is a threat of some kind a potential heartbreak, a potential betrayal. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing you have to be very cautious about because it's not on the table. It's very important to trust your deck. Yes. Trust your deck to put out the right cards the first time mm -hmm. and trust your deck to speak to you if you do have to pull cross suit. Mm -hmm. Cross suit interpretation is one of those things that you rarely explain to a querent because it's sort of like nitty gritty tarot mechanics mm -hmm. and it's sort of a deeper layer of tarot interpretation that is mm -hmm. difficult to explain to a lay person. Mm -hmm. So in like the case of a three of swords influencing a three of cups, you could almost say, you know, you have this close-knit group of friends, mm -hmm. but be cautious of uh, gossip or exactly. be cautious of maybe some underlying jealousy that or, exactly. or envy. Exactly. I would say like, look at your group of friends and make sure there's no backbiting yep. going on. Mm -hmm. um, make sure everyone's on the same page exactly. and everyone's having fun exactly. at this celebration, right? Make sure no one's being left out. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that this three of cups suddenly becomes a three of swords. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean like there will be a betrayal. There will be a heartbreak. Exactly. It just means there's this influence on this some, this little twist and some things to look out exactly for, to be to be to aware be cautious of, of and to be cautious of and how i would explain it to a querent because i'm not going to get into cross suit interpretation is i would say because there's a lot of swords in this spread mm -hmm. or i would say because this card has you can see here the sharp edges on these on these mm -hmm. cups here's something to be cautious of right like i would give them the the check reason, mm -hmm. the reason that I'm doing the cross-suit interpretation without explaining to them that this is a cross-suit interpretation. Right. exactly. Now, the other thing is you are never going to cross-suit interpret to a different number. Right. This is a trust the deck thing. The correct card came out. Mm -hmm. The three of cups isn't going to actually be a four of wands. Right. Right. The right card came out. You're just seeing if it's got a different twist on it. Mm-hmm. Finn says, I actually do cross-suit every now and again. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I think it's something more people do than realize they're doing. Yeah, I think it comes kind of naturally, mm -hmm. almost, um, just as you are pulling cards. Yeah, and like, you, like you see a spread that has a bunch of swords in it, mm -hmm. but there's this one but cup sitting out in the cup. middle of nowhere. Yeah, it becomes something that happens intuitively. Mm -hmm. Rhiannon Gray says, never really thought about it, but yeah, I definitely do too. I think that's usually a sign that like your tarot process is well-developed, mm -hmm. right? Because to do this, you have to have a good understanding of 
each card individually mm-hmm. and how they intersect. Exactly. So I think it's sort of like an intermediate step tarot. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, going back to what we were talking about, that, you know, the different cards in the spread will influence mm-hmm. or have an impact on the other. Yep. And they are talking together about the scenario or the situation that you are relating to the querent. Exactly. The other thing, obviously, is reversals. Mm-hmm. Not everyone reads reversals. I read reversals sometimes. Same. I will, <laughs> for me, often a reversal will indicate a period of time depending on where it is in the reading. Mm-hmm. A lot of times for me, a reversal means this is an extended period of time. This is... This takes going, longer. This is, this is, if it's future, mm-hmm. it's going to be farther in the future. This is not imminent. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's in the past, this is something you've been dealing with for a long time kind yeah. of situation. Very rarely do I have the typical reversals. Sometimes it just glares out at me and said, yes, read this the way you would your standard reversal. But most of the time for me, it's time. Yeah. I also don't read standard interpretation reversals. Most books will say this is the upright meaning and this is the reverse right. meaning. In my opinion, throw out the reversed meanings. Mm-hmm. Reversals for me are hard mode. Mm-hmm. They're just the same meaning, but more difficult somehow. Right. Sometimes that means that you're looking at the negative aspects of something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means that you're going to get the same result, but it's going to take longer or be harder mm-hmm. or require more effort. And because it just is hard mode, mm-hmm. the exact meaning of a reverse interpretation varies from card to card. Exactly. From and sometimes reading. from reading to reading. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's contextual based on the placements in the spread. Yep. That's why I said sometimes I read reversals and sometimes I don't. Yeah, and sometimes I will pull out a card reversed. Here's another uh, situation where I'll change the cards on the table. Mm-hmm. I'll pull out a card reversed and, and because I'm not going to read it reversed and I know that as soon as it. I pull it out, I will just flip it. Yeah, Same. Flip it. If I'm looking at that going, yeah, no, that's not uh-huh. supposed to be yeah. reversed. And, and also, I play a lot of cards horizontally mm-hmm. in a variety of my spreads and you can't read a horizontal yeah. card reversed. So you just have to know in your head from the energy, whether it should be an upright or a reversed. And as you are laying out cards, this has happened to me from time to time. Mm-hmm. I'll pull a card, I'll look at it, and I'll go, no, this does not belong in this spread. So I will set it aside and I will pick a different card and continue. Sometimes you just are aware that there is a card that is an outlier mm-hmm. that doesn't belong in the spread. Now, yep. maybe you put it on the outside because it makes because sense. It, right, because it might be a clarifier. It might be a clarifier. Or... But it doesn't belong in the spread itself. In these placements. In the yeah. placements. It has some influence on the mm-hmm. interpretation, but it's not, it doesn't belong in these placements. So don't be afraid to say no yeah. to no. a card. <laughs> you, <laughs> you need to be really very tuned into your intuition mm-hmm. for tarot. Because although there are rules to mm-hmm. tarot, mm-hmm. and it helps to know those rules, mm-hmm. you will, with virtually every reading, break them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you got to be okay with that. Uh-huh. It's like... This is not something you want to be rigid about. It's like art or writing. Mm-hmm. You have to learn all of the rules so that you can break them effectively. Absolutely. Absolutely. And ultimately, that makes you a better reader mm-hmm. and more accurate in your readings and something that you will give more meaning and you will help your querent. Yes. And this is the thing. Your querent may think you look silly or that like they don't understand what you're doing and you just have to let that go. You can't stand on your dignity as a tarot reader because again, your job is to provide a service and if that service makes you look like an idiot, so be it. Absolutely. Finn says, okay, this brings my question. An individual that reads for me on occasion, she lays the cards out and if they are upright to her, she reads them reversed for me and vice versa. What's your standard for this? I always read my cards the way they're facing me. Not the way they're facing the querent. Yep, I always read the cards as they are facing Because, and this is something I've mentioned before, the deck is talking to me Mm -hmm. and I am talking to the querent. Exactly. Same. So, like, the deck is not talking directly to the querent because the the querent doesn't Doesn't read tarot, right? The querent doesn't speak the deck's language. Mm -hmm. I do. My job is to be the interpreter for the deck. Exactly. So the deck is speaking to me and I am interpreting it to the querent. Exactly. That is exactly the same for me. Yeah. I always read as it appears toward me. Yep. Okay. Now we should really wrap it up. We really we've should. Gone, we've gone a little late and little we could late. talk about tarot forever, but forever. we've especially covered when, the essentials. Especially when you get into spreads and interpretation. And, yeah, and the nitty gritty of the like the process. Absolutely. I love the process yes. of tarot. I, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so we're going to say goodnight. You can find us on Google if you Google the number three and the words pagans and a cat. 
or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. We have a website at the number three paganisandacat.com where you can find links to a variety of things that we do, mm -hmm. including Gwyn's Patheos Pagan blog. You won't find a link to her TikTok, but she does have that. I'm on Instagram. Insta we have a Discord server mm -hmm. and a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I'm never in the Facebook group personally because I don't Facebook. Honestly, I only check in from time to time to make to, sure everything's still running. To make sure everything is copacetic and everybody seems fine. Uh -huh. So they, they kind of manage themselves. <laughs> and if there's ever a problem, which rarely in the mm -hmm. five years that we've Very been doing rarely. this, very rarely have I have I heard about a yeah. problem. We, we rarely have to moderate either the Facebook yeah. group or the Discord. We keep an eye on them in case we have to, but everyone's very well behaved. Absolutely. So thank Absolutely. you to the Pride for being Absolutely. very well behaved. The Pride is awesome. Mm -hmm. They help each other. And so if you're new to listening, reach out to either the Discord or the Facebook groups so you can become, uh, you know, get to know some of these people because they're awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course... To people who just listen, thank you. Yes. We we love you. Every single listener is a member of the Pride, and mm -hmm. we love you. Every if you want single, to be. It's if often. You, if you want to. <laughs> and we always, always, always thank our patrons, mm -hmm. because without you, we would not be doing this. Nor would we have a home. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, we would just really appreciate everything mm -hmm. that you guys do for us, how you support us, and we are, we're glad to be here for you guys, too. Yep. Okay, we're going to stop. Have a great week. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll see you again. We'll see you again. Maybe a wild Jackson will, Maybe. will appear. We'll find out. Who can say? Who can say? <laughs> <laughs>